Hey, this is Tina. And this is Erica. And we are A92A. A92A stands for ages nine to adult. That's how long we've been on this journey together as friends. 92 is also our high school graduation year. And ages nine to adult is a nod to the board game Life, which we rockified as kids in order to live out our rock and roll fantasies. Welcome back. And Tina... We are actually here in LA I know. together. I know. We are in your home currently. Yes. And we just had a fun activity. We did. We uh, we watched something so mm-hmm. that we could we talk sure about it. Uh-huh. So that we could talk about it. Um, today we are talking about an absolute cult classic short documentary called Heavy Metal Parking Lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is this might be one of the shorter episodes we do you guys wouldn't mind that though a nice short one it's all fine well i feel like the documentary itself was only 17 minutes so yeah. how long can we really talk about it can our episode about a 17 minute documentary be 30 minutes we could probably <laughs> i'm sure it. we could babble and ramble on about something so here's the basic premise of this documentary if you haven't seen it on may 31st 1986 john hayne and jeff krulik filmed fans as they tailgated in the parking lot of the Capitol Center Arena in Landover, Maryland, before a Dokken and Judas Priest concert. Mm -hmm. That is the setup. That is literally all of the preparation that these two filmmakers did for this. They literally said, we're bringing a camera and we're bringing a mic and we're just going to film what happens in the parking lot. Right, right. Um, and this film has really become a study in kind of heavy metal and rock fandom. Um, Spin Magazine calls it one of the top 10 music movies ever made. What? I know. Okay. I don't know if I agree with that. I definitely don't agree with that. (laughs) Um, and you know, and we're not here to like bash on the filmmaking. These were just two young guys who had an idea and really in retrospect, it was a pretty genius idea because it, it really did kind of spawn a movement of the sort of parking lot format and just how documentaries were done in general and how Mm -hmm. to reach so many of the fans and audience, you know, of what you're trying to do. Um, And this film also did something pretty spectacular in that it basically went viral before that was even a thing because Mm -hmm. they didn't have any kind of distribution platform for this thing. No, they had it on a VHS tape. They share it with a friend, a friend bootlegs it. Shares out to their people. These guys make bootleg copies. I mean, can you imagine the quality of this tape after a while? But it basically just spread virally. Yeah. And people would be like, oh, yeah, I got a copy of Heavy Metal Parking Lot. And they'd show it to all their friends. And somebody would make another tape and pass it around to another group of friends or whatever. Um, And it kind of got really, really far. Um, The movie finally had a theatrical showing in 1997. But, like, literally, this thing had been kind of out there you know, traveling amongst throughout the world for quite a long time. I guess watching it, I was trying to figure out what the point of it was. Was it to show like a slice of American life? Was it to shed light on the mentality of 80s heavy metal fans? I mean, I guess I just didn't understand the point of it. I think... That's true. I don't know that they did either. But mm-hmm. Erica, like you and I used to record ourselves on a boombox. Yeah. When we were kids, and we didn't really know why, but we would record ourselves talking about music and mm-hmm. talking about rock stars and all that kind of thing. Really like our OG podcast, right? And oh, so yeah. we had a, an idea, but we didn't, it wasn't really flushed out. I mean, they, 
the interviews are hilarious in this because they really didn't have any questions prepared for anybody. Oh, they weren't really trying to create a narrative or a story of any kind. They really no. were just shoving their mic into people's faces and seeing what they said. So, you know, it was a pretty spontaneous uh, filmmaking event, let's just say. And the people were so fucked up that <laughs> there were really not a lot of coherent answers to be had. Um, it was mostly a lot of fuck yes and hell yeah and rock yeah. and roll and um, there just really wasn't anything that was even said necessarily. You almost had to like read between the lines and create your own interpretation. Like for example, the 20 year old gentleman that was making out with his 13 year old girlfriend. Yeah. Like that to me was sort of like a social commentary of the day where age just wasn't really a thing. And certainly yeah. in the world of heavy metal, the age of a female was irrelevant. Right. Um, and so there were little pieces like that where you and I as adults in 2023 could look at it and say, oh, that's a great example or representation of this concept. But I don't feel like the filmmakers had that in mind when they went into the parking lot that day. I think they had zero in mind. But Correct. I think what they did come out with was a really unique and interesting study of this slice of life. Now, you said something in a conversation with me earlier that like, the authenticity of it is difficult to understand because back in 1986, cameras and recording yourself and all that kind of stuff was not something that you did on a regular basis. It was kind of a special thing. Holy shit, there's a, there's a video camera and a it's microphone? Like, is this news? What is this? Right. And so people did perform a little mm -hmm. bit. People sort of jacked up their personas a little bit, or they got more heavy metal-y than they were before mm -hmm. the camera came around. Dropped a few more F-bombs. Right, mm -hmm. than they normally would. Um, this parking lot was full of, like, probably the coolest cars I've ever seen, though. <laughs> I have to tell you, like, the, the number of muscle cars, the sort of vintage, now they're vintage, back then they were not, but, you know, these VW Beetles, the Vans, the the Monte Carlos, mm. the Pacers, yeah. the, that sort of era in car, I really kind of dig, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's like, and but you're looking at it now, like in 2023 going, did they even know what they had? That is such a classic automobile. <laughs> it was literally like kind of a new, like junkier version of what they really wanted, but yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting that it was a pretty significant police presence at this oh, arena. real significant. I'm like, what did they think was going to go down here? I think there was like a sniper on the roof. There were police on horseback. It's like, yeah. what's happening? And yet amongst all of that, there is just obvious underage abuse of alcohol and drugs. I'm like, right. what were they even doing there, these police? I mean, I yeah, well, I guess I guess they were just there to prevent violence or any kind of riot inciting or, inciting or something. I don't know. Like, um, why have all those people when you really are just letting a bunch of underage people, you know, get shit-faced in the, in the parking lot? But yeah, yeah, ton of beer, ton of boom boxes. Mm -hmm. um, and then admittedly, as they're moving through the crowd, people are like, I'm on acid right now or... <laughs> I'm, I'm high as a kite. I've been drinking beer all day. I mean, it was a really loose, it was a loose uh, uh, moment before the show. But I will say, it's not unlike the way that we always felt before a concert. I mean, we mm -hmm. were not, we were not old enough. We were not yet in party gear, no. if we ever really were. But um, we were getting to the show early to stand in line. Oh, because yeah. Invariably, it was general admission. And right. We wanted to get a good place. So, yeah, you think I'm going to dick around in the parking lot with other people, like, right. you know, drinking and yeah. partying? How, I, I'm going to the, the door. We're going to the door. So that I can be one of the very first people inside. Right. 
But that said, we still had the same, like there was the joy was palpable, like the anticipation mm-hmm. for the show, yeah. like you could f- feel that excitement in yeah. the crowd. So it's not unlike our experience before a concert, it just ours didn't include the whole party, right? And the, right. And the beer bong and all yeah. of that, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a good point. It was it was good at showing the excitement level, the anticipation level, yeah. the the happiness to just be at a show and to experience one of your favorite bands live. Um, you know, the, the bands that they kind of mentioned a lot were Iron Maiden, Metallica, Dokken, Judas Priest, obviously. So yeah. they, they really, um, this particular crowd really did veer more to like the heavier side of yeah. metal and it was a little early. it was 86 it was early. so poison wasn't really no. you know climbing the scene warrant that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so it was a little bit harder scene at the time and there were definitely hardcore metal fans in the- it was it was definitely before our time and, yeah. and i could tell that by the way they dressed i could tell that by the things that they talked about um you know it just it, it was a little before our time um i will say dental work has significantly improved since 1986 i mean Dental work, hair products, like everything has really improved. And by the way, there were three African American fans. I know we were shocked. I'm like, like, what are these people doing there? (laughs) I I, I just didn't know Judas Priest had African American fans, which I think is amazing. But I, you know, that's just not a culture that you would see at a lot of rock shows. Well, uh, you know, maybe you do in Maryland, though, because Baltimore is nearby. I mean, I think they were in Landover, Maryland um, at the arena. But yeah, we didn't grow up with a huge diverse population where we were from. So we didn't see a lot of color at all at any metal shows that we were going to. It was actually kind of nice to see that. But yeah, um, I will say that the the fashion was interesting to me because it was still a little sliver of like, real 80s mod kind of stuff like Mm -hmm. you saw a popped collar here and there you saw a girl in a jumper that felt a little more go-go's than than rock and roll so you were still seeing some of that stuff certainly a ton of t-shirts concert t-shirts especially a lot of tank tops a lot of jeans that fit that actually fit they weren't Mm -hmm. falling off Mm -hmm. that was kind Mm -hmm. of good um although what about the guy in the full white tiger spandex that was a good yelling madonna can go to hell (laughs) That dude was real fucked up. He like, was I'm, fucked up. I, he probably had a real big headache the next he, day. He I'm was really pissed guessing. about punk. Punk he can was. go to hell and Madonna can go to hell. And yes, he was very angry but his about friends, punk music. His friends seemed embarrassed by that. So <laughs> you know there's like Madonna fit fans in that group. Like Absolutely. it's okay to like Madonna and Judas Priest. Um, I saw a lot of like wispy mustaches. Mm-hmm. You know? And feathered. feathered a lot hair. of feathered hair. A lot of feathered hair on men. A lot mm-hmm. of center parts. Right. Um, with feathers and a lot of bangs. Right. Um, a fair amount of gold chains I saw. Um, mm-hmm. None of the girls were wearing fucking shoes. What was that all about? So many yeah. of the girls were barefoot. Well, you know, it was a, it was an outdoor party. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna wear shoes for that. A parking lot full of broken glass Ugh. too. I think a lot of them were probably in heels and they were like, fuck this noise. This is I'm not, not putting comfortable. Those on until I have to go in. There was the one example of the girl that was talking about how her and 75 friends all got backstage passes from Judas Priest. Apparently right. they had a friend a week earlier or two weeks earlier that passed away in a car accident. And Judas Priest was kind enough to give, I guess, all 75 of his friends backstage sense. passes, which doesn't make any sense. It's like, how did you pick 75 people? Where did they come from? But anyway, these 75 people were very excited to be getting backstage to meet Rob Halford like and 
entire high school class. But how do you even orchestrate some kind of meet and greet with 75 people? Well, they said that the mother of the deceased wrote into the radio station because that's how it was done back in the day. And then they were talking about how the band was writing back. And of course, this was not email that we're talking about. We're talking about letter exchanges. Um, So yes, very, very, very old school. I'm a little suspicious of that. I wonder if they actually did get backstage or how that all worked. Although it feels like after reading Rob Halford's book that that might be something that Judas Priest would do. They would seem tried. very fan friendly. Sure. That's so. just a lot. Some, it's a lot. It's a lot of people for a meet and greet. Yeah. A lot how of about people. how about your son's five best friends? Right. Like maybe not seventy five. Right. Um I saw some fedoras in the audience. Oh. I saw some like hat situations. Yeah. Not uh-huh. just baseball caps, right. but like hats. Um and I think almost every guy there was wearing white tennis shoes. Oh yeah. Well yeah. I mean, I don't know what else you'd wear. This was kind of before, you know, that's a good delineation between the before the more glam bands showed up on the scene and the after, because before it was white tennis shoes. After it was cowboy boots. Boots. And cowboy boots didn't really exist yet in that era until, you know, probably 1987, 1988, when you started to see more of the glam influence. Right. So, yeah, because I I do think white tennis shoe crowd for sure. (laughs) White tennis shoes and jeans. And then a lot of leather gloves, like fingerless leather gloves Mm, kind of situations. I saw a lot of that um, in the audience. Um, And of course, there's that group, you know, hanging out by the tour bus, hoping to spot, you know, somebody from the band or, you know, a a roadie or somebody who might, you know. Be able to get them backstage. So I always the goal. I relate to that. I mean, we did that. We ran backstage to see the buses pulled Mm -hmm. in. We Mm -hmm. uh, hung out and we tried to like be noticed and be involved in, in some way. You know, these these people were not so far from the teenagers we were. They were just a little older than us at that right. time. Yeah. Um, and maybe a little wilder just because you and I weren't on the wild side. But we knew plenty of people who would have been tailgating in that parking lot. Oh, yeah. Plenty. Well, you know, I was thinking about it, Tina. You know, the last show that you and I went to together probably in terms <clears> of big shows was the stadium tour with Motley Crue and Def Leppard yeah. and Poison at SoFi Stadium. There were a lot of people in the parking lot. You know, we got there pretty early in the day because we had a whole meet and greet fiasco to go through in terms of process and COVID testing and all of that. Um, and there were a lot of people that were there early in the day. Now we didn't really hang out in the parking lot again, you know, true to our brand. We didn't really hang out with them in the parking lot, but there were a lot of people out there that were just sort of camped out. They had their, you know, back trunks open and they were just chilling. Um, but you and I, you know, of course pulled in and got right down to business and went to scope out the scenario and figure out where we needed to be and, you know, got our testing done, bought some merch and did the whole, you know, we we were very methodical about what we did, but there were people there that were tailgating. I just don't think that that's really like, I'm not going to a show early so I can sit out in the parking lot and do what exactly as a really a non-drinker, like what am I doing out there? (laughs) Well, and also (laughs) needing to pee and and things like that and being in the hot sun. Um, I will say that, you know, Sherry and I are also country music fans and we will go out to, um, we'll go out to shows and, and go a little early and tailgate, but we're generally eating. Like we will pick up mm-hmm. food on the way mm-hmm. um, and we'll eat and we'll just socialize and talk to people. We are drinkers, so mm-hmm. we, we don't have a problem with that. And there's something kind of really like down homey about that at a country show. It's yeah. it's actually quite a social event. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go out to San Bernardino to the... Um, you know, the big, big pavilion out there, Glen Helen Pavilion, it's called something else now. I never, I can't keep up with the rebranding of all of the fucking arenas and stadiums, but um, 
that parking lot is really made for that. And people do that and they go all day and they feed mm-hmm. each other and they're like, Oh, I have some of our cookies that we baked and have some of this. It's actually quite a nice experience. That was very different in heavy metal parking lot. Yeah. That was, they were trying to get fucked up. Oh yeah. And get amped up for the show. I feel like though, like I would tailgate for a sporting event. Like I yeah. would go early to hang out sure. before like a Dallas Cowboys game or something. Right. Um, Maybe not so much a Minnesota Vikings game because it's usually frigid in Minneapolis during yeah, football season. That's not a that's not a good. Climate. But you know, definitely, I I would do something like that for a football game. I guess I just never again. I guess because we were so focused on what we needed to do executionally to get into the venue and get shit done, like we were. That was just never part of our game plan. Is we're going to go early and just mingle, right? Again, we were just we were young though. Yeah, we were. Young. We were really on the young side. Yeah. Um, this film ended up on the Nirvana tour bus. They loved this film. <laughs> they watched it. Um, like I said, this film existed really as only a bootleg and it was passed around via VHS tape. Um, but they really captured a moment in time. And, you know, was it an authentic moment? A little, were people a little showy and a little silly and a little fucked up? Sure. But were they also just like, honestly, dumb teenagers going to a rock show? Mm-hmm. Sure. And, um, and certainly you can find that same vibe at a show now. Right. Like, you know. For sure. The, the, I don't, I, you know, teenagers are not dumb, but the dumb teenage mentality and the stereotype, like that exists still sure. today. Like it's out there. Um, and, and people getting all amped up to go to a rock show or a pop show or whatever they're going to, like that definitely still exists. People acting like idiots because somebody's filming something or, you right. know, it's, it, it all, it all still exists. Yeah. The um the filmmakers Hayne and Krulik went on to attempt more projects in this genre because they really kind of sort of invented this thing. Um, they went on to try and produce Monster Truck Parking Lot, um, Neil Diamond Parking Lot. Oh, Neil Diamond Parking Lot. Probably a very different crowd. Wow, I bet that was mellow. Uh, and even like as late as like ninety nine or two thousand, it was like the Harry Potter Parking Lot. Mm. Um, they also, they had a TV series in 2004 get picked up. They had eight episodes. The series was just titled Parking Lot, where they film, you know, similarly to show different passions in different areas. But it could oh also, God, it could hilarious. be like, here's where the surfers hang out, or here is, you know, this right. other pop concert or something right. like that, right? Um, so they really tried to capitalize on this thing that they accidentally kind of stumbled upon. It's a parking lot empire. Back in 1986. Uh, I don't know what they've been really doing recently, but... Uh, you know, it's like even Decline of Western Civilization had that parking lot moment, the opening credits. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, oh, yeah. showing the line Panning to, the to line. get in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's a real vibe. And, it, and this was kind of one of the first examples of that and that rawness of just like sticking a mic in, in a, you know, sort of group of friends faces and see what happens without any coaching or prompting. And there is some camaraderie. I don't know that you and I ever really experience it in terms of a parking lot, but there definitely is camaraderie that happens at a show sure, um, with other fans because you're kind of like, and I think that's what the world missed most about live entertainment and live shows when COVID hit is you don't have that opportunity to bond with other like-minded people. Like we're all so yeah. excited to see this band. We're all going to get together and talk about it. And even you and I, when we went to the stadium tour here in Los Angeles. I mean, we we made friends with totally all kinds did. of people yeah. that were maybe part of the Motley Crue meet and greet or that were doing the COVID testing or, you know, just general sitting people near that us, you just yeah. chat with right. because they're, they happen to be nearby and you know you can at least 
talk about the band, talk yeah. about the music because it's something that you're both enjoying and there for. Yeah. You obviously already know you have something in common. That's right. pretty significant actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it made me feel nostalgic to watch. It really did because, because we are kind of all business and now it's about, you know, now I got to pay 80 bucks to park I and know. I got to, you know, get the to the joy is gone. So I'm wearing sensible shoes and I'm trying to do all these things and have a, a decent time and, you know, make sure I get to my seat. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Um, this was a, a, a different time for this age group of people. We're probably feeling so rebellious and free and wild and excited to be seeing one of their favorite bands and seeing a metal show with all these other metal heads, all these other hot teenagers. Oh my God. Oh, there were yeah. really, there were some lookers in the group. I'll tell you. Mm. Um, there was a really cute girl. There were, I do also want to mention too, this sort of like pre me too kind of. Oh yeah. Uh, situation. A lot of handsy dudes, mm -hmm. a lot of guys showing off for the camera by grabbing their girls and a lot of just like super. Or girls they don't really even know. Right. Just get real super close. I mean, yeah. I remember those days well. I remember well. them really well, actually. Yeah. And sometimes you could use that to your advantage if you were like, hey, can I sit on your shoulders to see the band better? Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times you were just like, please don't touch me. And yeah. there was actually one girl and they ended with her. She was sort of the last. She was a cute girl. We, yeah. we were like, she's really cute. But it was her first heavy metal concert experience. She right. had never been to one before. She'd never been to one. And a guy that she didn't know kind of, you know, slunked up on her. And she said something to him. She was like, no, please, you know, yeah, please, please move away. Me. Please yeah. don't touch me. Move mm -hmm. away from me. And I was like, oh, go girl. 1986. Mm -hmm. you're, you're starting the movement yourself, aren't you? <laughs> um, she's going to do a throwdown in a heavy metal parking lot. I love it. Oh. Um, definitely times have changed, but some things have never changed. And I think that gathering with like-minded people, with fans, with your your tribe, your people, your base, mm -hmm. and celebrating something that's about to, you know, melt your face off is kind of a really exciting notion. So I don't know. I kind of feel like I want to tailgate the next time I go to a Maybe we should. And... Maybe we should. You know, Tina's going to come to Omaha to see yeah. the stadium tour with me for round two this summer. So yeah. maybe we'll tailgate in Omaha. We'll let's, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, there was one guy, by the way, I wanted to throw out one thing because I thought this was interesting. There was one guy that said, yeah, let's rock and roll. We're all ready to rock and roll. Well, I don't know about you, Rob Halford, but all the rest of us are ready to rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, what was that? I'm like, what's that about? Because I, Rob. Don't, I don't think Rob had come out yet in no. 1986, if that's what that comment you know, referred to, although I'm sure by reading his book, you, you know, you did kind of learn that maybe people had guessed that about sure. him or that there were rumors about that. But I thought that was an odd comment. You're there basically to see Judas Priest because you're a huge Judas Priest fan. You're almost making some, kind of a derogatory comment about the lead singer. And I just thought it was weird. It was weird. Well, that dude was weird. And he yeah, was well, kind of fucked up and goofy, but something. yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Heavy metal parking lot. I mean, do I, do we know some of those people? We probably know maybe. some of those people now. I mean, I would say that if you have not seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot and you're a fan of this podcast, you're a fan of that kind of music, you should definitely watch it. It's 17 minutes long. It's not going to take up much of your life, but it is just an interesting um, snapshot of yeah. humanity yeah. in 1986. Uh, and, and like Tina said, it does make you feel a little nostalgic. Yeah, go see it. We watched it on Amazon Prime. It didn't even cost anything. Um, I think you can actually go to the Heavy Metal Parking Lot website and feature it. Of course, it's become this cult classic. So now there are sort of anniversaries and special, you know, events and things like that. Um, these guys are still kind of milking this thing. But, uh, you know, you really should watch it. So mm -hmm. anyway, reaching out to you guys now, I want to know, have you watched Heavy Metal Parking Lot? What did you think of it? Um 
Tell us all your thoughts. You can follow us and interact with us at www.a92a.life, on Instagram at a92a underscore life, or find our Facebook page, a92a. And until next time, keep ratting those bangs and banging those heads. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.